0: Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church,
1: please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com.au. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20.
0: Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up the plants were scorched, and they withered away because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seen along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown.
1: Father, we do uh, pray that you'll be with us as we hear from your word now, and we pray, Lord, that anything that uh, might be uh, capturing our attention, our our mind, our focus, I pray that you'll... Uh, help us to yeah, park them to the side so that we can focus on your words. So we can focus on what you want to say to us this morning. And that as as a people, Lord, that your spirit will be at work to, to uh, move us in that direction, as you called us to, to be a people of your word. And I do pray that now in your son's name. Amen. Let me ask you guys a question. If you could describe our generation with one word, how would you describe it? No? It's rhetorical, isn't it? Uh, let me ask, let me, let me give you what I think. I think the, the word that comes to my mind is hype. Hype, you know, like, there's just a lot of hype in our generation. Like, we live in this world that is influenced by hype, uh, the hype of the latest gadget, the newest fashion, the newest slang, the latest viral video, the new hashtag movement. There's just hype around everything. We just sold hype all the time. Hype, H-Y-P-E, hype, that's what I'm talking about, right? Like, it, it's a, like a fad or uh, something that has intense excitement around it for a little while, that hype. Let me give you some examples. In 2011, something came around uh, on, online and, in, and you know, in, um, everywhere around us where people would get on their stomach and lie in this position on the floor or on the kitchen bench or in random places. It was called planking. It just took the world by storm. For a little while, everyone was planking for some reason. Uh, if you watch The Office, a the sitcom, they made a joke about it in one of the episodes. Everyone was playing in 2011. In 2013, a song came out that took the world by storm. There was so much hype around it. You know? Do you know what song I'm talking about? It's Gangnam Style. Everyone was dancing. This dance from the Gangnam Style film clip, the the, the music clip. It took. There was a lot of hype around Gangnam Style. In 2015, everyone was dabbing. It was a th- kids were dabbing. My nephews and nieces would come to the game. Mikey, I'll be like. I, I don't know what that means, and I still don't to this day. Well, it just, 2050. 2015, everyone was doing it. Then there were social hashtag movies, 2014, ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, you guys remember that? I, it, everyone was doing it on their social media, throwing icy water over their heads to raise awareness, and it was good, you know, I'm not gonna lie, ALS Association, I read, they raised $41 million from that. Great. But since 2014, I haven't heard anything about ALS. Have you? Uh, you know, all these things, right? Uh, 2020, Two years ago, 21 million people on Instagram posted a black square on their Instagram. That was it, a black square. They posted it up. They hashtagged Blackout Tuesday to stand in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, I haven't seen a black square since 2020. In January 2022, a few months ago, still going right now, do you know what the latest social media hype is? There's this thing where everyone's posting up little green and black squares on their Facebook. It's called Wordle. I, who's playing Wordle here? There are a few of you, right? Like I <laughs> uh, I don't get the hype with Wordle. You, uh, honestly, but I'm sure you can think of hundreds of other examples. Right? There's just a lot. Of, like, in a few months time, you're not going to be playing Wordle anymore, Tim. Like, honestly, you're not going to be playing it anymore. It's just one of those things. There's a lot of hype that everyone else is doing. Let's do it too. It's a fad, last of the while, People are excited. They buy the very thing that they've been marketed. And while we plaster it all over our social media to show people, give it a few months and no one cares about it anymore. No one remembers the hype dies down and is replaced by something else that society has hyped up. But let's be honest, hype isn't just our generation. Every generation or society has experienced hype to some degree. I'm so sure of this. Right? Imagine if you lived during the 60s when microwaves were invented. I watched a documentary about this. There's uh, Food cooked instantly—that's what it was. That's how it was marketed. It's like magic. Within minutes, you could have a, a lasagna ready to go. It would have been mind blowing. But is it mind blowing to us living in 2022? Are you excited when you turn on your microwave every single day? There would have been a lot of hype in the 60s when that first came out. And it makes me wonder: How many of us see Christianity coming to church? Something we do as, as appealing because of the hype around it. And I look around the room, there are, a lot of us are, are young. And, and our friends are going to church. Our friends talk about Christianity, and it's become this thing where, oh, I, I observe this, this is actually pretty cool. People, Christians, they seem to have a lot of joy in their lives. They have a lot of peace. They have great friendships, support. And wow, I, I want what they're having too. At least until it's not cool anymore. Or is Christianity to you far more than hype? Uh, I wonder, where would you be if the hype of Christianity in your life died down? Your life circumstances changed. The society around us put pressure on Christians or the church. Or or the church just got daggy and irrelevant to you. Would you still stand for Jesus? Would your faith still persevere and endure? You know, I think for many outside of the church, it, it looks like a little bit of hype. You know, you've got celebrities like, like Kanye West, you know, <laughs> encouraging people to go to church on Sundays. It's just a fad that will pass one day. Well, see, what Jesus does with this parable, he, he presents a challenge to us uh, and, and the church, what it looks like to be individually and collectively God's people. To be people who have deep roots in the gospel. And helps us and, and, and challenges us on how we can and will stand firm even when the hype does die down. In your life or when opposition comes as well. In this section of Mark's Gospel Jesus has a lot of hype surrounding him. There are crowds swarming him wanting to hear his teaching, see him perform miracles. That's what we've been seeing so far in the first four chapters. But with the crowds there's also opposition. There are haters in the crowd, people who want to stop Jesus, people who want to arrest him, people who want to see him killed even. That's his opposition. Now we're told at the outset of this chapter he's teaching by the lake. Right? The, the crowds are swarming him. He can't teach in on the shore, so he has to get into a boat to get away from it. He needs his spare personal space. We all need that. And remember last week, we heard Jesus, he's, he's got crowds around him in the house in chapter 3, uh, but the question that we asked last week was how many of them are actual followers and how many of them are actual fans, are just, are just fans? We talked about the how the people on the inside were the insiders and the insiders sitting at his feet and the outsiders were outside watching from the street, right? So the insiders, and so Jesus tells this parable, and we've got to remember that's the context. So the parable is... Uh, he's talking um what is a parable first i think a parable is just a, a, a story to illustrate a, a truth uh you, you often if you want to define it uh as the word is parable it's this idea of having a, a, a analogy uh something parallel to something else to reveal something uh, something like that you know there's this there's a message that through a story uh it explains something else okay so that's what a parable is. It's like an analogy, and illustration. You know, when you have a good teacher or a good preacher, they illustrate things, that illustration to point you to something else. That's, that's what Jesus is doing. He's telling a parable. But the parables are, are special because to some, it would, the meaning will be revealed. But to others, the meaning stays concealed. Right? So, so, so to some, it's revealed. To others, it's concealed. It's not about how smart you are, but Jesus tells parables that won't be understood unless explained by him. Right? So he's telling all these people a parable, but only some of them are going to get it when they actually come to him and he explains it to them. Right? So the, the thing about parable is not always straightforward. Often it comes as a riddle to many. Now remember what I said last week. Mark, in his gospel, he writes in a way where he often puts these sandwiches together. Uh, sandwiches, you know, a slice of bread with filling and a, another slice of bread, a sandwich uh, to understand the meaning that he's trying to portray. The filling usually gives us the meaning, the big idea Uh, the lesson that we need to hear now mark here in chapter 4 is structured like a sandwich again let's look at the first slice of bread okay in verse 3 this is the parable let's read it again it'd be good to have your bibles open so you can know that what i'm saying is i'm not making up so verse 3 listen a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seeds some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced the crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That's the parable. Okay. Uh, Imagine you're in the crowd and, and you hear this parable. Jesus is telling this. The story is in many ways very straightforward, isn't it? There's a farmer who sows some seeds, some seeds land amongst the path where birds pick it up, some on rocky places amongst thorns, they don't grow, they don't, they don't grow well for long, some land on good soil, nice, rich, fertilized soil where the seed produces a crop, multiplies, really flourishes, the end. Cool story, right? Cool story, bro. Now, I go home to my wife after hearing that story and I say, Heidi, you? you know, and she goes, well, she goes, she says to me, what did you do today? And I said, well, I heard the hype about Jesus. So I went to go check him out. There was this big crowd around him, so I listened to him speak. And he told this story. There was a farmer, sowed some seeds. Some landed on the path, some rocky places, amongst thorns. All failed to produce healthy crops. And some landed on good soil and grew crops and multiplied. And Heidi says, and, and what happened next? Well, well that's, that's the story. It made sense. The seed grew and multiplied. Yeah, okay, yeah, but, but so what? Well, I guess that's it. There is no so what. is Isn't that a good story? And, and, you're, you're, and you start going, why is that a good story? And you're, with, you're, you're, you're following the crowd, right? And we're like, yeah, such a good story. Wait, do you ever do that? Like, do you ever like, follow people and you're just like, oh, that sounds so good, but you don't know why? And, and isn't that what the hype is all the time? We, we, you know, why do we play Wordle? What's the hype about it? Because everyone else is doing, oh, it's, it must be good then. You know, and so I'm sorry, I'm not attacking anyone there. But you know, like that idea, right, with hype is we just follow the trends. You know, when I was younger, I used to wear flares and they got really uncool, so I stopped wearing flares. Now people are wearing flares again. And I'm like, wait, so is it cool now to wear flares again? And we, we, why don't we question that? I don't know. And so I'm with the crowd and, and, and I was reading this and I, and I was thinking, so everyone just accepts this story and they they don't really know what it's about but they just go away and they oh jesus such a good teacher All right I, I was on tiktok the other day and i know don't you know i know you want to pay me out about that like yes tiktok has a lot of trashy videos but there is some good content um, now there's this guy who goes around pranking people and he and and he captions it jokes that don't make sense so he goes down to the shopping center he goes down to you know into a, into a shop and he brings you know asks he goes can i tell you a joke and the guy goes yeah and he goes Let me tell you this story, and this is an example. He goes, why are dogs stronger than cats? And the guy goes, why? He goes, butterfly doors. And the guy's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. And the guy's like, do you get it? He's like, yeah, like, can you explain it? And there's this short look on his face, like, butterfly doors, dogs, it's funny. And the guy's like... You know, and the whole, it's a prank, it's to humiliate, it. it's really sad, I, I felt sorry for the person because you're trying to laugh at the joke, and you think you know, trying to support this guy, it's a funny joke, it's not, because it has no, it makes no sense, he does it on purpose to prank people. It's really humiliating, actually. But Jesus isn't trying to play a prank on anyone here, he's telling a parable, and and purposefully there are going to be people, intentionally there are going to be people on the ground who aren't going to get it, because that's the nature of parables, they, will, they won't make sense. The meaning is veiled. And you'll be in the crowd, and it sounds like a good story, and you're, you're a fan of Jesus, so I'm going to keep following Jesus and listen to what he has to say. But the scene changes for us, doesn't it? The next scene changes, the, the filling of our sandwich changes. All of a sudden, he's when he was alone, all right? so he's not with the crowd anymore, when he was alone, verse 10, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. So he's alone, but he's not alone, because he's got his disciples and his inner circle follows with him. And verse 11, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the, on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Now, that's, that's, he's, he's quoting something from Isaiah chapter 6 there in the Old Testament. Why is he quoting that, though? It's because what Jesus is saying is this, there will be some who hear it, and they'll deeply want to know and understand it. The, the secret of the kingdom of God is given, to those who want to hear it. There will be insiders and there will be outsiders. And so these disciples that are with him and others around him, they want to know what this parable is about. They want to seek answers. They want to find out about Jesus and what he's here to do, his ministry. And what did he come to do? If you go all the way back to chapter 1, verse 15, I'll just read it to you. It says, the kingdom, Jesus is speaking. He starts his ministry. He goes out to the crowds of cities and says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's what Jesus has come to do, to tell people, the kingdom of God has come near. Believe the good news. The kingdom of God is here in him, in Jesus. And it will be for those around him who are keen to hear it, who hear his word desire to follow him that the insiders right you see the outsiders are the fans the fans of Jesus are flaky they hear the story and it sounds good feels good and that's all there is to it they don't actually get it though they're the outsiders they don't see Jesus clearly for who he is they hear the story yes then they go home and they don't give a second thought to Jesus they might wait till next Sunday and come back and hear another good story and they feel good about themselves or they wait till next Easter or next Christmas when they go to church again to hear more about you. They're just fans, fans of the faith. You see, what this parable is doing is actually it's revealing something. It's revealing the hardness of hearts in those who hear it but aren't interested. Those who hear it and don't desire to understand it, hear it but don't want to obey it. Those who hear it and won't turn to God in repentance and in faith. To those who have a hardened heart to Jesus, The parable is just a good story about a farmer who sows some seeds, an opportunity to pass time, entertainment perhaps, but nothing else. See, what Jesus is saying is if there is no response to the parable, it just confirms their unbelief. The kingdom of God is given to those who hear it and respond. They're the ones who, who, uh, who want to know more, who want to dive into it. They're with Jesus. They're down with his teachings. They want to obey his word and follow him. They want to come to his words and say, Jesus, tell me what this means and how I can live it out. You see, that whole idea of hearing is is an active thing. It needs to be acted upon. So be careful how we hear it. Verse 9 says, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That's a feeling. Really important part there. Now, the second and final slice of the sandwich, Jesus comes back to the parable. Right? So scene change back to the first scene, the parable, uh, and, and we're hearing about the explanation. He explains it to his disciples. The farmer sows the seed. We, the seed is the word of God. So I'm going to pick it up from verse 15. Some people are like, this, are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, there we go, hear it again, Satan, represented by the birds in the parable, they, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. You know, we know that that happens in life. Birds come and take away seeds and it, takes, it does a lot of damage, right? Farmers, that's why they use scarecrows. But Satan does this in the spiritual world. He influences, he tempts, he distracts us. So the word of God can't take root. And that's what the parables are speaking about. Satan comes and he takes the word. He snatches it up before it can take root. Verse 16, others like seeds sown in rocky places hear the word, And at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I don't know if you've seen this in life at all with, with your friends, perhaps, or in your own life. We come to our faith that we come to believe in Jesus, and there's so much hype. There's so much hype. It's so exciting. There's so much joy. There's that spiritual high. Usually it happens to a lot of youth at youth camps and rallies and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Last year there was this uh, concert in L.A. called the Freedom Experience. I don't know if you saw it on YouTube. Justin Bieber performed there. And I imagine if you went there, it would have been awesome. And then there was this Christian pastor who got on stage and talked about God's love for everyone at this big concert, the Freedom Experience. And I imagine so many people, you would be like, there for Justin, but then you're there and you're hearing about the Word of God and you're seeing Justin Bieber tell us that we should believe in God too. And you're thinking, I want to believe in God now because he believes in God. And then all of a sudden you, you receive it with this joy. But then you leave the concert and the experience is over. It's exciting, yeah, at first, it makes sense. And you come to church, and yeah, your church rocks, you know, and you love singing worship song, and it's all great. It makes you feel so joyful. But then hard times come, and that joy fades away. Will you still stand for Jesus? Will you still be able to say Jesus is Lord and King even when it gets hard, even when that that high fades away? How many of us hear the word and and, and there's a shallow response? And, And when becoming a Christian, when being a Christian is hard and there's sacrifice, there's opposition, isn't it so easy to leave the faith? Because we associated Christianity with happiness and good vibes, good feelings. Some hear the word, but when things get hard, it's easier to jump ship than to wrestle with it. It's easier to jump ship than face it courageously. It's our flight mode. The roots are shallow, based not on the word itself, but based on our feelings. Verse 18, still others like cedar among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Again, similarly, people come to faith, they hear the word, but they get entangled with the thorns and they don't grow. The thorns that look like stress and the idols of wealth and riches and status and reputation and fame lost materialism looks more attractive than Jesus himself. It deceives us. It leads us away from God. And I get this. There's a lot of, I, I meet a lot of people who come to church and, and, and they grow up in church with their families and they, and, and they go to uni and then all of a sudden all their friends don't go to church. And all their friends look like they're living the good life because they're partying and, and having fun as if your Christian friends can't do that and don't do that. And you're thinking, I don't want this anymore. This stuff looks so much better. And isn't this what the thorns are? The promises of, of, of riches or fame or whatever it is. And we make them ultimate in our lives. And the word of God falls by the wayside. The Christian doesn't grow. Their faith never produces fruit because their time and their heart has been given to something else. But you know, there is a heart that hears and receives the word. In verse 20, and the hearing in verse 20 is, is, is different to the other hearing. You know, it's, uh, they hear the word and they accept it. The other hearing is all like in the past tense. If you're looking at the the original um, way it's structured, it's all in the past. They hear it, but then they move on to something else. But the seed here in verse 20, it's sown on good soil. They hear it, they accept it, and they produce a crop. So it's, a go- it's like a continuous hearing. There's a present active thing going on, a continuous thing. Hearing is the vital activity in which the faith comes. They hear it, they accept it, they receive it, and they produce a crop. Deep roots and big fruit. Let's say that. They flourish and they multiply 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Here's the thing about a disciple. Here's the thing about a follower of Jesus. It's not about hype. Honestly, if if that's why you're here at church, you're going to get disappointed at some point. It's about faithful perseverance and obedience to Jesus. That might not sound exciting to you. It might sound as exciting as the latest TikTok trend, the latest iPhone, the latest crypto investment, NFT, that's the thing, or chasing after fame and fortune. But to the followers of Jesus, to those who are his disciples, there's nothing more purposeful, nothing more joyful, nothing more liberating than a life lived for the kingdom of God. See, the hype of movements and materialism come and go. But what we see in the kingdom of God is a crop that's multiplied again and again and again and again and again. In the hearts of followers, yes. But as a whole, as a, as a church, God's people, We still see it multiplying, don't we? Even to this day. Jesus told this prayer over 2,000 years ago. How is it still multiplying in our world? Well, we've got to step back and we've got to see who is the one who sows the seed. It's God, isn't it? God is the sower who sows the seeds. And too often we so focus on the soils and the seeds that we're not actually looking at the one who's sowing. God is the one who sows. And you wonder, don't you, like, God, are you a very good farmer? Because you're throwing seeds onto the path and rocky places and thorns. Why would you do that? Isn't that just wasteful? God knows the crop's not going to grow there. Everyone would know the crop isn't going to grow there. You'd put it into rich, fertile soil. But isn't that what God does in our world? He knows not everyone will hear it and receive it and accept it, yet he sows the seed. He wants all people to hear the word but there will be some he's already prepared, hearts that do have good soil that he will sow too, that will accept it and they will flourish, so that the kingdom of God that was ushered in by Jesus will continue to grow and multiply 30, 60, 100 times over. Yes, in one sense, this is about you and I being followers, disciples, followers of God, growing in God's word, being obedient to it, but it's also so much more when you step back. We're just one link in the chain of events that God is doing in history and in our world. Jesus will sow the word and his disciples, his inner circle, they'll take it to heart. They'll hear these parables and be given understanding so that one day they'll see Jesus for who he is. This is him, them in his time. They'll see Jesus one day when he dies on the cross as the son of God, the Messiah, and they'll go out. And we read this in the book of Acts. They'll go out, they'll sow the seed. They'll go on mission. They'll tell everyone. They'll spread the word, scatter the word of God to more and more people. And it's so amazing, isn't it? Because when you, when you think, if you were living during that time, Jesus would look like a lot of hype. Everyone in town would have been raving about him, what they've seen, what they've heard about him. And if I was the opposition during that time, if I just think to myself, well, if we just get rid of Jesus, if we just kill Jesus on a cross, it'll all go away. The hype will die down because hype is shallow. But the gospel and the kingdom of God is so much more than hype, isn't it? So much more than a fad. The gospel does go deep. Hype only meets a need for a short while, doesn't it? Yes, I need a new phone, so here's the hype about the latest phone. But you know what the gospel does? It offers something to everyone in every generation, in every culture, because it meets our spiritual needs. It gives us answers to where we can find hope and security and truth and freedom and lasting joy, the salvation our souls need. And while there may be opposition and persecution in the world, while there may be obstacles to growth and multiplication, you know, Jesus was stopped. He, he didn't minister for long. He died on the cross in his 30s. Everyone would have been thinking, oh, that's the end of it. That's the end of Christianity. Jesus, the, the, the leader's dead. The hype is over. But it keeps multiplying. And even today, well, even, you, even if your friends or your people in your workplace say, say Christianity is the enemy of progress, or they'll tell you that you're a fool for believing in Jesus, while there'll be nations even where the soil is rock hard and there's little crop produced, God's plans are unstoppable, aren't they? 2,000 years of church history attest to this truth. We've seen the kingdom of God multiply from 12 disciples in ancient Israel who walked and talked with Jesus to now being a worldwide, worldwide global Christian church that you and I are part of. How did God do that? Through people whose hearts were prepared by him to receive the word of God, accept it, repent of sin, and obey his will in their lives. I was talking to my friend Adam about this, and he was mentioning to me this, how, how people often think they have this mindset that the church is one generation from extinction. One generation from extinction, but you know, the, the Christians and our faith is becoming more and more irrelevant. That's what people are saying in a world of progress and culture wars. But look around. Look around this church. Seven years we've been here. We started with 10 people, we multiply. God is doing that in our church, even. But look around the world. The church is not just surviving, it's still thriving. So, where will you stand in his kingdom, inside or outside? How will we receive the word of God that's been sown to us and to our hearts? Let me suggest to you uh, how this parable should transform our lives by way of application. I'm going to repeat what I said last week. Are you just a fan of Jesus or are you a follower? Is Jesus Lord or is Christianity just something good? Good for this stage of life for you. A a bit of hype because friends in the church seem to, well, it seems like fun. I have friends now. What we hear in this parable is that the followers will persevere and seek out truth from Jesus and desire to live it out. That's what makes Christianity look so good. It's not about the well-dressed pastor on stage. It's about Jesus. It's about his word. It's not about how cool your friends are at church. It's not about the songs that you sing. It's about Jesus and the word. It's about wanting to grow in it, wanting to hear it, wanting to apply it in everyday life, the word of God. You know, I, I think that's what a follower needs to start with. Are you a follower? Our first priority and commitment in this life is to obey God by His Word. Even when the party is over and the high has faded, whether you're rich or in poverty, you're flourishing in life because you have the Word of God, and your ultimate work is in seeing His kingdom multiply. Let me encourage you spend time in His Word as followers. Go further than just listening to this Bible talk on a Sunday. Go to one of our small groups in the week, one of our, uh, that we call the missional communities, to study it with others others and understand it so we can live it out. Read your Bible daily, spend time in it, bring it everywhere you go. Read it with others. Read Christian books to help you grow in the Bible and understand how it applies. Receive it, study it, do it, treasure it, take it to heart, produce fruit. Good soil will lead to a good tree bringing fruit. Secondly, remember who's the one ultimately directing this whole operation. Right? Step back in the bigger picture, you, you can see is really the providence of God. And when I say providence, I don't mean he provides. I know a lot of people define providence. It's not that. Providence is that God governs it all, that he has planned it all out. And that's what's unfolding. That's the providence of God. He's the one directing the whole farming operation here. The kingdom is multiplying and will grow because he's the one behind it. Yet our job is to play our part in it. We've received the seed. and We're growing, hopefully, in the word of God. And the Bible says never to stay stagnant, but just to keep, to keep maturing in the Word. We don't get to a level and then we're comfortable as Christians now. No, it says go on producing fruit. Yes, part of that fruit is obedience, yes. Patience, generosity, kindness, love, those things, those types of fruit. But it also looked like playing our part in scattering seeds too. Like God, scatter it everywhere. And like God, you might scatter in places that are rocky. You might not see many people come to faith. But why aren't we scattering seed? And that's the first question many of us have to ask ourselves. Yes, you might only see a limited number of people in your week. You go to work, and then you see your family, and then you come to church. But I know many of you have hobbies. Why aren't you sowing the seeds of the gospel to, to people at your gym? Someone visited today who just told me, he, he, he's seen me before at the gym. Why aren't we talking to more people at the gym? If you go to the gym and sharing the gospel with them. At the cafe that you go to, that you frequent. At the yoga class. And even if you don't do those extracurricular things, most of us do have social media, Facebook at least, hopefully, (laughs) Instagram, TikTok even. Do you know how wide your reach is? Why do we limit ourselves? God sows widely. He sows, even if he knows some of it will fall amongst the path, the rocky places, the thorns, but he still sows. Why won't we? And don't tell me you're an introvert, (laughs) because you're a Christian first, aren't you? Like me. But be prepared. Your your uncle might reject it. (laughs) Your good friend you spent your childhood with, they might reject it. And it will be sad, it will break your heart. But scatter broadly and generously the word of God to everyone. Even if it might look like rocky ground, trust the process. God will guide the seeds to the right soil. And you will be pleasantly surprised when that seed unexpectedly falls on good soil, someone you never expected. You know, we were cheering earlier for Megan on stage because that was her first time speaking on stage, so we were all clapping for her. And, you know, Megan, to me, is a huge surprise. I, she came to our church because my cousin invited her. My cousin doesn't go to church. He's not a Christian. That is, that's a pleasant surprise for me. But this is, this is how God sows the seeds. He, has, he knows about our church. He knows about me. So that's, He tells Megan to come visit our church. That's it. But what about you? If you put your trust in Jesus, who are the people in your life that you, that you want to sow your seeds to? Sow your seeds to, it sounds so good. Sow the seeds of the gospel too, Because you will be pleasantly surprised when people like like Megan or someone else, they put their trust in Jesus and they go on fire for Jesus. They want to tell their friends about Jesus and they want to multiply the kingdom of God because you were faithful in sowing your seeds of the gospel while, the trusting, God, while, while trusting God to build his church. I've got to stop saying that. Lastly, as we do that, as we scatter the gospel, let's scatter the right seeds, the gospel of grace, faith in Jesus. We aren't here with smoke screens or doing magic tricks. We aren't selling snake oil or telling them that they need to fulfill a certain list of requirements before they get in with God. This isn't a pyramid scheme or a cult. We sow the good news of Jesus. We are all on an equal playing field. So we start with a simple act of sharing your life and how Jesus has saved you, how Jesus died on a cross, died for the sins of humankind. And it's really this sort of ordinary activity that will bring about extraordinary results. Keep pointing people to Jesus through the Word, through the the Bible. Hear the Word, grow in the Word, produce fruit, and scatter the seeds. And God, who has prepared the hearts of those who will receive it, He will multiply His kingdom. Today we heard an announcement, right, about our seventh birthday coming up. And yeah, I I can't believe it sometimes. Uh, But, you know, when we started, when we started our church, uh, a mentor of mine, I had a coach, uh, but this mentor said to me, um, not in these words, but he said, be be aware of the hype, right? Basically said that. This is what he said, though. (laughs) He said, be aware of the hype. He said, you don't want your church to mushroom. That was his word. Mushroom? That was what he said. And what he meant by that is, you know, a mushroom, like, you know, you know, in your lawn, a mushroom pops up one day and it's gone the next. A church that mushrooms is one that attracts a lot of people overnight. It, th- there's a lot of hype around, but doesn't produce deep-rooted disciples. You see, that's a church that mushrooms, that's the last thing I wanted for us at Providence. If we mushroomed, man, I would be, I would be, really, I'd be grieving that. I'm not going to lie, though. When we started our church, we created hype. We spammed our social media, we, we told all our friends, there were contacts in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Some of you guys have come to our church because you heard from a friend in Sydney or Melbourne about us. They told you to come check it out. There's a lot of hype around us being a new church. I get that. That's, you know, I'm not going to lie, that's what we did. We created hype. But we knew hype isn't going to keep people. We knew hype isn't going to create disciples. God is the one at work sowing and building his church with the gospel at the center. And that's what I'm striving for as well. And that's what we're striving for as well. Are you on board with that? Sowing the word of God in the way that we preach and teach, the way that we grow in, the way we disciple one another with here. That's what we've always been about. The gospel, the word of God. And my hope is that we'll continue to be about that. How will we achieve that? Well, don't just look at me. Don't just look at the leaders here too. The ones who are going to carry on the kingdom work is God first. Yes, him, he'll build his church, but he's also going to use you and I. Us, together, we have our part to play. You who own your faith, be responsible with it. Produce fruit in doing good works. Preach the gospel, love others, multiply disciples, and live out obedience because that's what grows his kingdom. You and I will all have to ask ourselves this question. What is your faith marked by? Perseverance, growth, endurance, empowered and fueled by God's word? Or will you look back in a few years' time and see Jesus, maybe Providence Church, your faith as all just a little bit of hype? Let's pray. Father, Jesus challenges us with this word to consider what it looks like to be a disciple what it looks like to to see your kingdom and to see what it looks like to be part of the church that is growing in our world today, that continues to grow and multiply. I pray, Lord, for us as a church that we'll see our part to play, to to be a people who are followers, not just fans, people who love the Word of God, who want to live out the Word of God and want to scatter the seeds of the gospel to more and more people. I pray pray that, Lord, by your Spirit, you'll do that in our hearts, to be a people who are uh, laying down our lives for the, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus who laid down his life for us. I pray this in your son's name.
0: Amen.